filmmakers, and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss Super Sentai is the host of the Superhero Cinephiles podcast, Perry Constantine. Welcome to the show. Anthony, the hour of transitional states is upon us, by which I mean it's morphin' time. Get your dino buckler ready. It's time, man. <laughs> Listen, I had thanked you on the show before, but now I get to thank you directly now that you're on here. Thank you so much for your contributions to the key art for this podcast. The image of myself comes courtesy of cartoonist Greg Schiegel, but the Zord art is a Perry Constantine creation. And I, I just thank you so much. I, I could not be happier with how it turned out. I'm so happy to have that be the visual representation of the podcast out there on social media. So I thank you very much. I'm glad to do it. And it, it was a, it was a fun experience to, to try drawing the Zords because mostly I've ever, I've ever drawn like regular humanoid type characters. I haven't done a whole lot of robot drawing. So it was a, it was a fun exercise. I really enjoyed doing it. And um, yeah, they turned out pretty damn good. I got to say they did. And there there's the, the version that people have seen on social media and all of the podcast platforms, like wherever you're listening to this, if you just pull up the show, that's what we're talking about. But there are two alternate versions of the Zords coming from different angles, different positions. So maybe, well, I'll do something with that at some point too, because it, it would be cool for folks to see that. And, uh, and I appreciate the work oh, yeah. that I did. Cause I, uh, yeah, cause I, I wasn't sure how it would all be arranged at the end. So I decided to, you know, I'm just going to draw each one individually and then just put them all together. So that that's what I ended up doing. So there are full versions of these. It's all, all the full Zords and full. So they're, they're here on my hard drive and, uh, and you got them as well. So maybe we'll sh share them at some point. Yes, for sure. No, that that's awesome. And this is a big episode because all along the way here on Summoning the Zords, you know, we've been addressing the fact, of course, that Power Rangers is based on Super Sentai. 
not just based on it, but continues to utilize footage, action footage and Zord footage from the Japanese series. But with the exception of clips here and there on YouTube or watching the episode of The Toys That Made Us on Power Rangers, I had never seen any Super Sentai. But now I have. I've watched a few, a few of the Ranger episodes, so I definitely have a far better perspective now. However, my disclaimer, folks, <laughs> I am in no way, shape, or form purporting to be any kind of expert or authority. I'm sure there are people listening who have never delved into Super Sentai. I'm sure there are some who have kind of dabbled a little bit, and now we're kind of on, on equal footing. And then I know there are folks who, who know it, who really know it, and I am in no way in that category of expertise, but I, I at least understand far more now. And so I want to talk about it. I want to get your perspective. And I guess the thing that, you know, I want to share, it's for me, it's not so much about trying to, you know, I don't know, explain about Super Sentai because there are people who could do that a lot better, but more just kind of the emotional feeling and response of actually watching this because it was wild and surreal and trippy. And like, that's what I'm especially curious to talk about. But let me toss it to you first, right? This is called a Power Rangers fan journey. What What is your fan journey? What's your history and experience with the franchise, Japanese and or American? So um, uh, I, Power Rangers came out when I was about, when I was in elementary school, I think I was about 10 years old or so when it came out. So, um, uh, and in my school at that time, Power Rangers was considered among my classmates to be something that was for younger kids. It wasn't something that you know, us older kids could appreciate, right? It was, so it was kind of this thing where I was just kind of like, whenever I'd hear my friends talking about like, yeah, Power Rangers so so lame. It's so stupid. I'm just kind of like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Power Rangers is so lame that I go home and I go watch it and I play with the Zord toys and everything like that. Uh, so, I mean, I, I stuck through it with all throughout the Mighty Morphin era and I stuck through I think I stuck through most of Zio. Like I was, I was starting to fade in and out a little bit here. Um, when they brought Jason back as the gold Ranger, that kind of brought me back into it um, really more. But, and then uh, when turbo came out, uh, I didn't see the movie, but I saw like the first episode and I'm just like, what the hell is this with this little kid here and everything. And after that, I'm just like, you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm done with power Rangers. And that, that was, that was basically it for me, but it's always kind of had that, that spot in, in my heart. And it's always been something that's interested me um, just from a writing perspective too. It's always like, you know, this concept of these, you know, these, these superheroes who dress in like these monocolor costumes and fight, fight aliens and giant robots. I'm just, I, and I'm actually working on something now that might end up becoming um, uh, a book series or a serial about my own kind of take on a lot of this stuff. But it's it's always been something that's interested me, and uh, especially now that I live in Japan, um, I, I always kind of every time I go through the the recycle shops here or anything like that, I look at the the toy sections, and they've got like a whole section devoted to Super Sentai every single store, and I always go through and I look in, and I'm looking in, and I'm seeing like, all right, do any of these I know recognize from Mighty Morphin or from Zio? Any of them are they cheap enough where I can justify paying for them or or anything like that? And it's. It, it is something that still that still sticks with me a little bit. I mean, in retrospect, I have tried to watch some of it, and it's um, it, it's not something that like I, I go back and I watch like the X Men animated series or, or Batman the animated series. I still get really into that stuff. 
this isn't something I, I go back and I rewatch and I and I get really into it, but it's just I think it's the idea of it more than anything else. And especially I think when I was in my peak of Power Rangers fandom, it wasn't even so much the show. I think it was just more like the toys that really kind of grabbed me and just the the Zords and all that kind of stuff is what I love the most about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally get that. And again, in terms of certainly the the seasons, the era that you watched were, were pretty similarly aligned. I made it through most of Zeo, stopped before Turbo. So, you know, we were, were pretty close there. I will say one of the true delights of doing this podcast is I have actually been able to truly enjoy rewatching the episodes, not it's not been just kind of an academic exercise of like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to kind of look at it from an analytical perspective, historical perspective. And it's just for prep for the podcast. It is that, but it's also been a lot of fun. And I've, I've been able to kind of somehow like walk that line of, of, you know, recognizing the shortcomings and, and everything, but still have fun watching it. So that's been great. Now, again, like you said, you've, you've, you know, you've been, how long have you been in Japan now? Uh, about 15 years or so. So when did, when did Super Sentai itself enter the equation and how much of it have you seen? I haven't seen a lot of it. Um, it's always something I've been curious about. And, um, uh, when we first started talking about, when you first started the show, I suggested, uh, doing something about, about Super Sentai. And, um, that was when I first started being like, you know what? I've been meaning to actually watch this. Cause I saw like the first episode, um, some history about it too, because Super Sentai in a roundabout way came about because of America. Power Rangers exist because of Spider-Man. <laughs> so in um Super Sentai was it's this Japanese series. In Japan, they've got what's called Tokusatsu, which stands for for special filming, special effects filming. And they use that to describe any sort of special effects in movies, like so monster movies are tokusatsu. Super Sentai is tokusatsu. Anything that uses mixes live action with special effects. And they had done this. Um, I started off with Common Rider or Mass Rider. It's, it's in the U.S. And then, and the toys were so successful. And the Bandai, the toy company, they're like, "Hey, why don't you do a toy uh, a show about like five heroes? Because then we could sell even more toys. Because in in Japan." They don't do a lot of villain toys. It's actually mostly just the hero toys, especially back at back in those days. And so, so then they they made the the first Super Sentai series, and then uh, there was and and Stanley had had seen some of it. And he loved it, and he and he started working with Toei and trying to get them to. They came to a deal where um, Toei was allowed to use Marvel properties in their TV shows, and Marvel was allowed to use Toei properties in their comic book. So if you remember, there was this comic book called Shogun Warriors. It was, it was basically um, a bunch of these random uh, Toei characters that they put together in this comic book series. And what Toei did was they did a Spider-Man TV show, which he wears the costume. And that is the only similarity he has from Spider-Man. Everything else. It's just completely different. He, he got his powers from a dying scientist from the planet spider, uh, he has a spaceship called the Marveler, and the Marveler can transform into a giant robot called the Leopardon. He's also got this really big spider bracelet, and it, it's a zany show. It's it's really wild. But one of the things that really worked for that show was the idea of having the transforming robot. When Bandai released that, people went apeshit over it and 
kids loved it. And after that, they're like, Bandai goes to Toei and they're like, why don't you use giant robots in the Super Sentai stuff? And so then Toei had planned to do a uh, a Captain America series with um, with Captain America and a bunch of other characters. And then the license deal ran out. It ran its course. And so then Toei couldn't use Captain America anymore. But they still kept the idea of like this global themed superheroes. And so they had like a, uh, an America themed character, an Africa themed character, um, a Japan themed character. And they put them all together in a TV show called Battle Fever J. And that introduced the concept of the giant robots. So we have, and that only happened because there was this weird licensing deal where they could do a Spider-Man TV show and they decided to give Spider-Man a giant robot. And then that eventually leads to Power Rangers coming back to America. That's amazing. I, it was fascinating to hear you lay that out. And, and I certainly had gotten a lot of the broad strokes from that episode of the toys that made us. And, you know, I had watched that a couple of years ago now when it came out and I enjoyed it. And I appreciate you recommending that I watch it now because it definitely, there was so much I had forgotten and it really helped crystallize a lot of this. And yeah, definitely coming to recognize the, you know, that intersection of, of Marvel and Stan Lee with, with these uh, Japanese shows. And I think the thing I was most struck by was how long it took to eventually get to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and how there were these earlier attempts by Stan Lee independently, like by Stan Lee and Haim Saban for years, like trying to do what they would eventually do with Power Rangers of taking the action footage, dubbing it over and filming uh, American components and then forming this, this show. So yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing how all of this actually came to be. And including um, just a note about one of those actors in the Saban's first pilot was a young Mark Dacascos who would go on to play uh, Eric Draven in the Crow TV show. And he's been in a bunch of other action movies. He was in um, the the Hawaii Five O reboot. He played the, the main villain in that. Um, he's also on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a bit, too, I think. So it, it was kind of funny when I when I saw that I, I did the I did the the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. I mean, so like I said, I, I had never I had never really delved into this. And I mean, to be honest, I don't know how much I even knew only the broadest of strokes about, uh, about Super Sentai and in particular, and am I saying this correctly? Jew Ranger? Yeah, uh, it's Jew, Jew Ranger. Jew Ranger, Just like, okay. So that's why when um, there's, the, there's a moment in the, in the special when Haim Saban says, Jew Ranger, yes, because he's yes. Jewish. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah, it is. It's spelled with a Z, but the way it's pronounced in Japanese is actually Jew. Um, and it stands for, um, it's like dinosaur battle squadron, uh, beast rangers or something like that is what the, the actual translation of it is. And I, I was kind of the same thing. Like I had actually not known about, um, super sentai for a long time. Uh, and when I, and actually one of my friends who, my only friend who was actually a power rangers fan when I was in school, he was actually of Korean descent and I guess they, he thought it was Korean because he, he, when he had gone to like visit his relatives or something like that they had it they had like the the japanese stuff the the jew ranger stuff but dubbed in korean so um so that was the only inkling i had that it was from another country and then later on when i found out about it it a lot of stuff clicked into place i'm like oh so that's why they're always fighting in these weird areas that's why angel grove has this very odd terrain that's why you see all this recycled footage that's why um 
Trini doesn't have a skirt on her costume <laughs> because it was actually a guy in the original. So a lot of that stuff just kind of clicked into place finally when I when I eventually learned that. I know we joke about it all the time, but the the landscape of Angel Grove is just amazing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's either park or you know industrial, <laughs> you know docks. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> and the juice bar in the middle. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, so this was absolutely fascinating. So. I watched the first four episodes of Drew Ranger, and I think you had recommended a couple past that. I did I did at least skim through those. I did also watch, I think, the third to last episode of the entire series where you get Rita's back, Rita Bandora's backstory, uh, which which was really fascinating. And I have to say, I mean, just big picture, I did genuinely enjoy it. I did not get the same thrill out of it that I get out of Power Rangers. But of course, with Power Rangers, there's a massive nostalgia factor there that, of course, I don't have here. But still, I did enjoy it. It wasn't, again, just like I was saying a moment ago, it wasn't just that I was watching it for academic purposes. I did enjoy it for for what it was. Yet, it gave me even more appreciation for what the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers team was able to do in, in, and and that's the surreal part of this was just watching a lot of the same footage, but just in this different context. And you just you really do come to appreciate how much they were able to craft in and around the footage they had and how important the music was, because, yes, the American show has the footage of the teens and they're dubbing over the the action footage when they're in the helmets, of course. But the music, I feel like that's one of the biggest factors in in really creating that feel and really differentiating. Yes, there are a lot of lines we can draw, but that music and Drew Ranger has great music for for what it is, I, you know. And and the theme song is pretty catchy. I was I was listening to it again before we started, and I was I was you know singing along to it. But still, there's nothing like that Power Rangers music. So that like, that was one of the big things I was so struck by. Yeah, the music is interesting because I think. The the Jew Ranger theme song is is really cool. It is really catchy, but it's got this the the closing credits mute song is just very bizarre. <laughs> it just the closing credits in general is just very odd. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I'd watched um. I'd watched a bunch of episodes. I'd watched like the first seven episodes or so, and then uh, then I skipped around a little bit, and I skipped to the um when they introduce uh but I the the Green Ranger, and I know you've got uh you've got V Ken on to talk about talk about that aspect of it, which um which I'm a little bit jealous of because I thought that was actually when it got really interesting. Um, and cause it's got, it take on the story takes on this very kind of like Shakespearean feel to it. That got, that got me really kind of, uh, keen on that, especially cause he's not brainwashed in that. It's the, it's a whole, he's got his own motivations and all this. And it's really, really unique. Um, and one of the things I noticed too, is beyond just like the technical side of how they're able to work all this footage together and, and, and like going back to a lot of the the stuff when Stan Lee and then Haim Saban were trying to get it made, how little the executives were clued into what the potential of this was, because everyone was just like, this is ridiculous. And it's just like, I remember when this came out, I remember watching that first episode. I think it was like a like a nighttime premiere or, or Saturday morning premiere or something like that. And just being like, what is this? This is this is completely different from anything I've ever seen. Like it it it's and it was it was amazing at the time. And, and now to go back and to see, cause you know, we've talked before about uh, off mic and on about different aspects of power Rangers that we kind of question about like the, 
why do they have secret identities when the supervillains know their secret identities? And then you watch Jew Ranger and it kind of clicks together. And it's like, oh, because they didn't have secret identities. That was that was um, Saban trying to say, well, we've got this superhero team. We have to work in American superhero tropes to it. Whereas, and so that means secret identities for them. And that means they have to have civilian lives. But the original, at least in this series, I'm not sure about other ones, but it's it's much more reminiscent of like, anime type stuff like Dragon Ball Z or anything like that where Goku doesn't have a secret identity. He's just he's just a superhero. That's just what his job is. That's what he does. There's kind of that aspect to it uh, as well in this. And um and you know, it's funny because I was watching these episodes and I caught myself thinking, I'm like these characters are basically interchangeable. Like and I was trying to think in my head as as I'm letting all this stuff percolate, which how do I compare these two series? And I came to the conclusion that I think the lore and the backstory and all of that kind of stuff, and even just like the the structure of each episode, how they try to play around with different storytelling things. You don't see the the Daijujin or the the Megazord until episode six in this, um, and it's a whole story point: the fact that they have to bring these, they have to unite them together, and it's something that the 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 Jew Rangers don't know about until that point. Um, so they try to play around with these different ideas. They try to show like different types of storytelling. Um, and then I compared to the American one and the American one, you know, like you've said before, the, it's a very set structure, right? It's, you've got some, you get some little story stuff with the kids in their lives and then you get a putty fight and then the, the monster shows up and then they morph, they fight the monster for a little bit. And then the monster grows and they summon the Zords zords merge together we get the megazord we get the sword and then boom roll credits and that's like the structure of almost every single episode to the point where when i when it did came on netflix and i did start trying to watch some of those episodes that's why i i had trouble with it because it's just like okay how many episodes are in this that we're going to go through the same thing over and over again and it's like I, I don't have time for this um but i did appreciate that the characters as Let's be real. Even in the American version, the characters aren't that well developed, but I admire that there was at least more of an attempt to give them some sort of individual type of personality, which I feel like in, in Jew Ranger, they just don't really have. I think that's fair. And I, I, you know, so that was one of the things I was struck by was, was the lore and the backstory because, you know, look, one of the things we've, we've, we've talked about in various episodes with, with Power Rangers is just like, like, how exactly do these powers work? And they're, you know, there's the morphing grid, they're drawing from the powers of the dinosaurs. Like, what does that mean? And, and so what was really kind of cool in, in watching Jew Ranger and like getting, getting that lore, this idea that 170 million years ago, which again, a big difference between that and the 10,000 years right? That, that Rita has been trapped in the space dumpster, right? So 170 million years ago, this idea that humans lived alongside dinosaurs and organized into these different tribes under the various dinosaurs. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where our, our, you know, our, our protectors come from was cool. And it was like, oh, okay. Like you kind of see more how all of this, how all of this ties together. But I agree. And again, I only watched a few episodes, but yeah, in terms of the characterization, as much as, you know, as much as I've said kind of similar things about, about Power Rangers, how they're like largely interchangeable, but as I watch more and especially in comparison, your point is well taken. Cause it's like, yeah, they're still pretty broadly draw, drawn and, and, you know, there's not, 
there's only so much specificity and nuance we're getting with Power Rangers, but you know, each character does have their thing, especially that original group. I, I feel like they, you know, you, you know, they're, you, you know, you, you definitely can see those distinctions, uh, less so here, but I agree the backstory, the lore, I think is just clearer. It's more well-defined, interesting wrinkles, like the Zords being sentient, like they when they go to the land of despair to retrieve the legendary weapons. And even that, right? Like weapons that were just kind of like taken for granted in the original show. It's like, no, like there was a whole quest to find these, right? But there's that one point when they're in the Zords and then the Zords, you know, cast them out, right? And they actually ask a question, I think of the Triceratops and Triceratops nods, you know? And it's like, oh, like there's this whole other component to it. So like that was, that was fascinating. So did you get to the episode when they, when they merge into the, the Megazord? I think that was one of the ones, I don't think I, I, I fully consumed that one, but I, I, I kind of like scrubbed through it to see that because I, I knew that was the significant piece. Yeah, that was actually one of the most interesting episodes before we get to the, the, um, the Burai stuff was, was that whole quest aspect of it. And the fact that, um, I think what's the, the red guy's name, Geki, I think Geki. his name, I might be getting that wrong. Yeah. But he, you know, all the other all the, the rest of the team is incapacitated and he's the only one. He has to find the dino crystals. Now, it wasn't such a difficult quest because it turns out they're just like, oh, they're right over there. Let's go get them. <laughs> but it was, I liked the attempt to try and tell like a more, it, it did feel, it did have a bit more of an epic feel to it uh, as a result of that because it seemed like Vandora had a little bit more strategy going on as opposed to just, doing the same thing over and over again in every episode like Rita does. So I did like that. And also it did seem like Vandora because this is another thing that people have talked about online and it's your mileage will definitely vary about on this about the 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 different kids that pop up throughout the series. Like each episode involves like some sort of children in peril type of situation. And we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking like, you know, young Joseph Gordon-Levitt here or anything like that. These kids are not the best actors. And these stories aren't, And it, but I get the sense that it's almost like a spin on, like, classic fairy tales or stuff where you'd have, like, imps or, or, or demons or anything like that coming in and causing mischief and causing trouble. And I, I think that's kind of what they were going for with Pandora. And it seemed, and I'm just like, okay, a lot of this stuff makes a lot more sense in this context. I still don't know why dinosaurs evolve into giant robots, but other than that, I think there's, there's a much more, there's a much stronger attempt to work in the lore and to try and explain things to, to some extent. And that was always something that kind of stuck with me about Power Rangers when I was watching it was just like figuring out. And that was something I loved doing. This was probably the, the burdening writer in me was trying to figure out like, where does the, where does this stuff come from? Who is Zordon? Where do, where does he get these powers? What's his connection to Rita? And all that stuff was really interesting to me. And we never really got any answers to that. And I appreciated the, the 2017 movie when they established that aspect of it um, and tried to explain the lore to some extent. And, and that's what I loved about this was seeing that lore explained and seeing how it's this, it's this very different situation. They're not trying to take this concept that is very different from the traditional American superhero concept and just trying to like, you know, pound it into the hole to make it work. You know, that's the thing, especially rewatching Power Rangers. Cause there's a lot of stuff. I don't know that I ever really pondered that 
that deeply as a kid, but watching it now, there there is this this blend, I suppose, of fantasy and sci-fi. And I, I've I've said on my various podcasts, that generally fantasy, not not really my cup of tea. I, I definitely you know tend to gravitate more towards the the sci the sci-fi aspect. So you know, watching Power Rangers, you know, even that aside, it's just kind of like this this weird blend because again you have these robots you have this command center you have this interdimensional being it's you know there's there's a lot of the, those sci-fi aspects but then you do have this space switch and you know all of these other elements so watching super sentai and it's like oh okay again like you said with the exception of how do we end up with the robots <laughs> but like all the rest of it really does skew fantasy and again while it's not my favorite thing in the world it definitely does feel more cohesive, like it tracks more. It's like, okay, it's not, again, it's not an interdimensional being in a tube, right? It's this wizard Barza and they have their temple and it's, again, everything just kind of feels, I mean, and understandably so, right? The American version was this, this combination of different stories and footage and all of that. So this is now, you know, kind of the original, you know, unadulterated, you know, undiluted version of the story. And so, uh, you know, some of the things that I guess I've like pondered with Power Rangers, like it kind of goes away because here, okay, like it's this this fantasy world of of myth that we're in. So it was uh, again like pretty 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 eye opening. Um, again, the fact that it's been 170 million years that these you know these warriors, you know the 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 Rangers have been asleep, right? And then they you know Barza wakes them up when Bandora. Uh, is released from from her prison, not on the moon, right? It was another planet. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Where they're they're flying this space shuttle with kids on board. Yeah, yeah, as, <laughs> and, as one does, and uh, as one does, and they're going to planet Nemesis. Now, I'm no astrophysicist, but I would think if there's a place called Planet Nemesis, that's maybe a planet that I don't want to go to, <laughs> let alone take a bunch of kids with me. Um, also, I love that Barza has a magic elevator too. In that, um, but yeah, I thought it was it was um, it, it is this interesting meld. The fantasy aspects come through a lot, and, and to your point about the the fact that it's been 170 million years, that was one of the things that I was. This is kind of where the Power Rangers stuff, where I start bleeding more towards that because we get these these guys who come out of this stasis for 170 million years and. That, that's it that's the, like, there's no i mean you know captain america was frozen in ice for 70 years and he's you know making lists of all the stuff he missed in just 70 years these guys were out for 170 million years okay so you that was they, that was i don't mean to, i don't mean to cut you off but i, I I'm, got, I'm excited because that was one of the things i wanted to ask you um and i guess now i have my answer because again i didn't watch all the way through and i was saying to myself well maybe this is part of the story later on them acclimating to modern times. But the, I guess that's not really a part of it. No, I haven't watched the whole series. I have read through all the episode descriptions. And after I watched episode six or seven, when we get the, the Daijujin, which is basically, it stands for giant beast man is what, is what the literal translation of it is. Um, uh, so Megazord was definitely a, a more creative name. I thought, uh, but after that, I just kind of skipped ahead to the, the Barai stuff, the Green Ranger stuff when they bring in him. Um, and just in what I saw there, I did not see any acclamation. There is one episode where it says, like I read the description, one episode description says that one of the characters, I think it's the, 
either the blue or the black ranger has to get a part-time job. And there's another episode where I think it's the pink and yellow rangers end up getting infected by something and they become punks. Um, so I think there, there's some, but I don't think we get it to the extent that certainly not to the extent that we, you know, it, you'd expect af- after being gone for 170 million years, but also just from even to the extent that they did in, in power Rangers, right. The extent to which we got little bits and pieces of their, of their backstories and of their lives. I don't think we get anything even close to that. Mostly they just can't seem to kind of hang out in that, in that weird cave type thing. Okay. Yeah. And that, that bugged me for all the reasons you just articulated. And, uh, you know, of course, yeah, having the Captain America story in our head, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, this is kind of a tough pill to swallow because it's like 170 million years. I mean, there, and there's, mm-hmm. there seems to be no culture shock or like a shock of any kind. And yeah, I mean, it's just odd that that, uh, you know, I guess just wasn't part of the story, but uh, yeah, that was, it was kind of, that required a huge suspension of disbelief that they would just kind of like launch into this. It's like, you know, to say, oh, it's a different world for them. It's like, that's an understatement. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, so, so that was, that was definitely kind of tough. And yeah, I mean, again, from what I saw and as we've been talking about, you know, really the largely interchangeable, largely interchangeable personalities, what, what was interesting, I guess, and especially contrasting with, with Power Rangers, you know, you, I guess this probably speaks to, you know, Japanese culture and, and worry the way of the warrior and all of that. I mean, they, they, they all come across as very, as honorable, very duty bound, right? Like this is, yeah. this is what they've been tasked with. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I always, I always laugh whenever I, whenever I watch Power Rangers and I hear that opening when Zordon says recruit teenagers with attitude. I'm like, what attitude? What attitude did these guys have? <laughs> these are like the nicest teenagers ever. <laughs> but, um, and then, so I, I mean, I, you make fun of it for that kind of stuff, but then you watch this and it's just like, it's that stoicism that you see sometimes in like Jason cranked up to 11. And it's like, all of them have that. There's no hip hop keto over here. No, there's no hip hop keto. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, no, uh, no jokes about the nice stereo system in the, in the pterodactyl Zordy. Right. <laughs> It's true. And then, you know, again, as far as the, the Bandora of it all, I mean, for one thing, when, when she and the minions are freed from the space dumpster, you know, those astronauts don't fare as well as they do uh, in, the, in the American show where they just get run away. Uh, you know, so again, Bandora is far, far deadlier. I, I totally see what you're saying about <clears throat> kind of like playing on this idea of, of uh, you know, f- fables or fairy tales where I, I think even in that, <clears throat> in that third episode, it's Barza's the grandson relative of some sort, right? Yeah. 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 You know, where he's complaining about his mother making him do homework. Right. And then like Bandora, like grants the wish, right. And sends them to the land of despair. But so like intervening in the lives of people and like granting these wishes with the unintended consequences mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and yeah, it's just far, far deadlier, but also, like I said, I watched one of those final episodes where we see her backstory. We see how she became Bandora, this whole idea that uh, her son in that, in that time, 170 million years ago, uh, you know, b- broke a dinosaur egg and the dinosaur retaliated and, and, and killed her son. And, and in grief and mm-hmm. rage, she sold her soul to the devil and became this evil witch, which I, I, again, it was, was, I appreciated having that, that backstory. Cause it's like, oh, okay. It's, you know, it's, 
again, especially for a kid show, it's fine. It's like, this is the bad guy and they're just bad and they're bad. Mm. That's it. <laughs> it's like, okay. But to actually get that backstory was, was really cool. There's an interesting, yeah. Like, um, cause there's that whole aspect of it. Cause in, in the 1990s, man, I'm like, now I think it, you could probably get away with that kind of stuff after seeing stuff like supernatural or Lucifer or anything like that. But back in the 1990s, you put the devil in there and you had in a kid's show, parent groups would have been, you know, you know, foaming at the mouths even more so than they already were with how tame we, well, with what we got is, but even still like, so, and I understand there, there's obviously cultural differences. Japan is not a, does not have a history of, of majority of Christianity, right? It's just very much a minority population here, like something like 20% at its peak, I think. Um, so there's no sorts of worries about offending religious groups or anything like that. But even still, just like the, the amount of death that happens in the show, it, it's kind of, kind of amazing. Cause nobody ever dies in power Rangers, right? I, I can't think of any instance where anybody has ever died. Um, but here, and I remember even in like the, you know, the Spider-Man animated series, they could never say death or kill. Like it was never that uncle Ben was killed. Or it was that it was the criminal who got uncle Ben or something like that. Um, or whenever they would in like other stuff, it would always be like the villain will destroy you. Never the villain's going to kill you. Just destroy. Um, but this one, you know, we see lots of death in here. I mean, you know, you'll talk about this with, with Ken, but the green Ranger ends up dying in this. Um, and he has that, he has a time limit on his life. Uh, but even still, they're not afraid to put children in mortal peril here. I mean, I think if, if they had aired this unedited and just dubbed it over, I don't think this would have ever gotten a shot on a network anywhere. No, I know a full on witch who sold her soul to the devil and, and imperils children week after week. Now, I agree. I mean, yeah, those first two episodes, like those kids who were along for the ride in the space shuttle, uh, you know, they're shrunk down. Just still just, you know, just and, and those words. Rita just, I know, <laughs> and, you know, and Rita has, you know, a series of death traps uh, that the, that the team has to save them from. So, yeah, I mean, again, it definitely, you understand why it was changed, but it, it definitely, the stakes feel higher here. And, uh, you know, definitely mm -hmm. this darker, you know, darker edge to everything you know it's 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 one of these things watching these episodes it, it, in no way do i prefer this to power rangers even nostalgia aside i mean i just you know my, my heart is, is always with power rangers and i mm -hmm. love what they were able to do and and just just taking emotion out of it just from that technical standpoint the craft of it how they were able to to work with the footage i i just i came away even more impressed than i already was but I, I, I'm so happy now to have finally started delving into this a little bit and, and seeing where it came from. And, and, and again, not to belabor the point, but I really think the, what I enjoyed most was just kind of getting that backstory, getting those answers to questions that I didn't even know to have, you know? And now it's like, oh, okay, like I understand at least what that original intention, why things were the way they were, even if it was territory that our show wasn't going to delve into. Right. Yeah. And I, I, Again, I, I don't know which one I would prefer. I think in the in the larger scheme, I it's it's different aspects that I like about each one. I I like the if I could find some way to pick and choose between them, I love the I like the character stuff a lot more in Power Rangers. But I think the the lore and the story structure is much more interesting in, in, in Jew Ranger. And I mean, one of the things too that I like is the fact that we get the 
the guardian beasts, like you said, they have this agency of their own. They have these own personalities. They're sentient creatures. But there's also more emphasis on the beasts fighting alone against the monsters, and which we almost never got in the, it's almost like, it's almost exactly like the Zorbs get summoned and then they assemble into the Megazord and then the Megazord does the fighting. So I thought it was nice to be able to see that aspect of it too. I'm glad you brought that up. That definitely struck me, even just in the little bit that I watched. I mean, seeing, you know, seeing Triceratops and seeing Sabertooth, like do what they do. I was like, oh man, like, yeah, I, don't, I really can't think of any instances where you really saw them. And maybe there are, there are episodes that I'm just forgetting, but uh, I mean, I feel like, yeah, nine times out of 10, it's exactly what you just described. Like maybe, you know, uh, the Tyrannosaurus, like that, that got a little bit more to do. Um, but mm. for the most part, I mean, like those, those others in particular, you know, rare, rarely had moments like that. So, you know, that was, that was cool to see as well. Yeah. There is that incongruity too, with the, um, the, <laughs> the, just like the technology and the, the fantasy aspects of it, which, it's more common in Japanese stuff than it is in American stuff. Whereas in American stuff, there is that much harder line between fantasy and, and sci-fi that like you were talking about. And, and I'm like you, I, I tend to drift more to the, the sci-fi aspect too. Um, but and I think this, all the sci-fi trappings does is what makes me gravitate more towards power Rangers as opposed to the fantasy stuff. But at the same time, I find myself thinking, I'm like, okay, so they're 170 million years and they come back and they change into space age costumes with laser guns. And all of a sudden they all know how to drive motorcycles. And it's, there, there's some weird stuff going on there. That you just kind of have to go with a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know what you could say the same for, for Power Rangers as well, but yeah, the 170 yeah, yeah. million years, it was just, it's such a... It's such a big number. It's such a staggering, <laughs> it's such a staggering mm -hmm. number that, you know, that's a little tough to get past, but, uh, I know. did also like that they, that they reference the, the dinosaurs a lot more in, cause in, in the, in the power Rangers, it's almost always like red Ranger, black Ranger, pink Ranger, but here it's like, no, Tyranno Ranger, mammoth Ranger. I, I'd like that aspect of it too. They put more emphasis. These aren't just, you know trappings or like you know place settings for the designs of the zords or for the designs of the helmet there's a real purpose behind it. they're really summoning those spirits so i thought that was cool too the spirit and and even going back to the legendary weapons right when they have to go to the land of despair you know there's that point where they're they're trapped they haven't reached they haven't gotten their hands physically on the weapons in time right because there's this ticking clock in the land mm -hmm. of despair and they call to the weapons and the weapons come to them so, yeah, I mean, there's, a, I, I think just, yeah, again, just kind of all, of, it all feels a little bit more integrated here and, and you get a sense of, of the bigger picture. I also, uh, it made me laugh how, you know, of course, as you talked about before that uh, in Jew Ranger, the, the, the yellow Ranger is, is, is male and literally his name is boy. Uh, so that's <laughs> <laughs> why I like that. But, uh, but yeah, Geki, Goshi, Dan, uh, boy, May. Uh, yeah, our, our Rangers here. So, and then Budai later on. Yeah. So as of right now, when you and I are recording, I have not watched those episodes yet, but later in this very episode, uh, once you and I wrap up, we'll take a little break. And then, uh, previous guest V Ken Marion will uh, tag in here and he and I will talk about, uh, essentially kind of a comparison between the green Ranger arcs in super Sentai versus mighty Morphin. So as of we're recording this right now, I haven't watched them yet, but, uh, by the end of this episode, I will have, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to delve into that. And, 
maybe to sort of tee up that discussion, because again, I don't, I don't want to deprive you of the opportunity to talk about mm-hmm. it. I mean, what? Uh, I, I mean, I guess like what? What stood out to you the most, or resonated the most with you about that that arc, especially in comparison to Green with Evil? So what I thought was really interesting was just the fact that it they played up. So in, in to give people a kind of a backstory, and I'll just give gives kind of some broad strokes, which I'm sure uh, you guys will fill in with with Ken later. But it's um, but I was basically the uh, the son of like a defeated foe, and uh, he's and he's actually Geki's brother. Geki was adopted by the Tyrannus by the the Yamato tribe, which is actually ancient Japan's name too, uh, and. And um, there was an attempted revolution and um, Geki and Barai's father was trying to overthrow the emperor. The emperor ends up killing him. And then, um, and Barai witnesses the whole thing. And he, he basically tells Barai in his dying breath, it's like, you're supposed to be the emperor. And so then, Barai ends up going out and living among the fairies. And he ends up going into hibernation just like the others do. And he's resurrected, but there's, there's a there's a catch so that green candle that they had had before that is his life force and if it and so he only has like and the the time frame of it is questionable because they say like you've got like 26 hours to live or something like that i'm like for all the episodes he's in it doesn't seem like it's 26 <laughs> hours but um but in that it's um but he's not brainwashed right like you know tommy was under the control of this evil spell whereas in this it's geki trying to get revenge or but I trying to get revenge for, for his father. And there's this very, this is where it become, this is the only part where I found like the characters more interesting in, in Jew Ranger was this whole aspect of this kind of like Shakespearean tragedy that they work into it. And, and it, the whole thing takes on a very epic feel. It was really, it was really fascinating. Um, and just being able to see like, and, and touching into like when uh, with the, the dragon's sword or here it's called dragon Caesar is, is its name. And again, has its own personality. Like when, after, but dies, the, the dragon Caesar actually ends up getting depressed. And so they have to deal with that. So it's just, it, it was a really interesting way to bring in a much more epic feel to it. Um, plus we also get to see uh Scorpina who I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I had such a crush on that actress. <laughs> um, and it's the same actress in this, but you find out that her and, Goldar or Griffinzor in this or whatever his name is are actually married, which is something I always had a suspicion of when I was watching the original Power Rangers. I'm like, I get the feeling there's something going on with Goldar and Scorpina, and you find out in this series, yeah, they were they're married. Um, there's also a weird little moment when um, she she's joining with uh, Bandora because she says that she uh, Bandora is going to restore uh, Griffinzor's ability to speak. And um, then when he's able to speak again, first thing he says is that his wife shouldn't be fighting battles. She should be in the, she should be doing laundry and that kind of shit. And she gets pissed off at him and she reads him the riot act and they start fighting about it. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. It's, oh man, it's amazing. Now I'm looking forward to, to getting into that. I, I appreciate you teeing that up for us. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about super Sentai before we take our break and then segue into the, the next half of this episode? I mean, honestly, I'd say it's, it's really interesting if you're if you're curious about it. I don't think I'd recommend watching it all the way through because um, even though there is an attempt to differentiate the structure a little bit more than Power Rangers does, it is still at the end of the day very formulaic. There's a lot of filler episodes, and it's like it's like fifty some episodes. So um, 
there are there are lists online, which um, what I gave you was one of them, and where it's like viewing recommended viewing orders. And like to give you an example of how much stuff they skip, the viewing order says like watch episodes like one to seven and then jump to 17 when the Green Ranger <laughs> stuff starts. So it's like just skip 10 episodes here and there and you're not miss and you really are not missing anything in those episodes. Like I skipped ahead and I'm just like, wow, there is really I am not lost at all. There is really nothing I missed in those in those 10 episodes. So if if you and I think all the stuff is available for free online, it's available on um, uh shout factory's website i think youtube also has them up too so it's it's worth a watch if you're if you're curious about it um but you may i i notice sometimes in some of the online fandom about like power rangers and and super sentai there's a kind of a tendency to think that oh super sentai is so much so far superior to to power rangers it's not like it's there's different aspects of it they do better there's other things that power rangers does better at the end of the day, though, they're both, you know, wacky kid shows <laughs> and you got to go in. You're not even with the more Shakespearean esque attempts at storytelling. It ain't Shakespeare. Fair enough. No, that's I think that's a I think that's a fair point. So where would you like to direct folks if they want to follow you and your work? So you can uh, check out my podcast, SuperheroCinephiles.com. Um, Anthony's been on before. Uh, surprisingly, not to talk about the two Power Rangers movies we did. We have covered, though. Uh, we covered both the 95 one and the 2017 one. Uh, also, tons of other superhero movies. We're at like 160 episodes now on that. And uh, I've also got, if you're interested in, in Japanese stuff, I've got a, a, another podcast called Japan on Film. And we've covered kind of a super sentai-esque movie in there called um karate robo zaborger at one point in the past um that was like a few years back we did that and it was an interesting way that they kind of like played with a lot of those same aspects of the super sentai stuff but also told it in a much more adult way by still maintaining some of the camp it was a really interesting movie um and then as for me my own website percivalconstantine.com um i am working on a bunch of different books uh and Maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have uh, a Super Sentai slash Power Rangers inspired serial that's coming out. I'm actually starting to work on that, but I haven't released anything yet. But it might be out by that time. But if you go to that website, it'll definitely be announced there when it is. Awesome. Well, I hope everyone will check that out. And Perry, thank you so much for sharing your your insight into all of this. It was really uh, it was really interesting. Again, for me, this is all still very new. And I just sort of dipped my toe into the water, but you know, it was great to be able to compare notes and, and, and get your take on it. So I appreciate you taking the time and audience. We're just going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will be joined by returning guests, comic book artist, V Ken Marion, and we will continue talking about super Sentai. We'll be right back. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. 
That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show, too. Thank you. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Oh yeah, Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw, yeah. And we're back. Joining me to discuss the Super Sentai Jew Ranger storyline that inspired Green with Evil as returning guest, comic book artist, V. Ken Marion. Welcome back. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me back, Anthony. It's like to talk some Zoo Rangers. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. And I want to thank you because, and I mentioned this in the first half of the episode, but now that you're here, I want to, I want to reiterate the point because after you and I did our green with evil discussion for the first episode of summoning the Zords, you got into super Sentai and you were telling me about it and it, it definitely lit a fire under me. I don't know that I necessarily would have delved too deeply into it if at all, though I should have, but I think that was, you gave me the the little bit of motivation that I needed. So I thank you. Oh yeah. No, I, after we had our discussion, cause like I hadn't watched Power Rangers since I was a kid, you know? And I was just, I kind of just like, after we talked about it, I was like, just kind of like Googling it, like looking it up and stuff. And I saw this based on the, like, I knew it was based on the Japanese show, but like, I'd never like known anything about it. So I was like Googling that and I was like, oh, this looks like so radically different from like what Power Rangers is. So I got so curious about it and I saw the DVDs on Amazon for like $35 of like for the whole season. I was like, well, let's check it out. What, you know? And like, I know my, my initial reaction, my first, after the first few episodes, I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Like they take it seriously. It's different. You know, it, it, I've watched enough of it now that it, it's definitely a kid show for sure. Like it's definitely of the same ilk as power Rangers, but there it's, it's weird because it's like, I was telling my wife that like it's simultaneously like more sophisticated and less sophisticated than the American power Rangers. It's very strange in that regard. Like it's very, but like, it's fascinating though to see the difference and like how they compare and, and what footage they use to like what they did in the American version, you know? That's the thing. And look, for the next couple of minutes, folks, this might rehash a little bit of what Perry and I talked about in the first half of the episode, but bear with us here because I just keep coming back to this idea of how surreal it is to see the same footage that I grew up watching in a different context in its original context it really is fascinating and you mentioned your wife i was after i watched these episodes that we're going to discuss here it's episode 17 through 22 of the jew ranger season of super sentai i was telling my wife we were in the car and i was like oh my god it was amazing so like in the japanese show the green ranger is the red ranger's long lost brother and then there's the spirit of life and this candle he's got 30 hours to live and and all this stuff and she was a good sport but i could tell could tell like at a certain point she's like all right that's why i'm glad i have this podcast because i feel like again at a certain point she's like all right like 
<laughs> I know that. I know that look. I know that look. <laughs> you know? uh, and in fairness, she hasn't watched it. So she's, you know, there's only so much I guess she can say, but yeah, it, yeah. it's really fascinating. So again, I, I want to get into these episodes, but just kind of big picture and going back to when you first watched Super Sentai, I guess any other, any other big picture impressions that, that really stood out to you? Like I know Blue Ranger in particular is something that you had yeah. mentioned to me. The Blue Ranger in the Japanese version is like the Wolverine of the team. He's like the hothead, like angry one, like in like the immature, like he's like immature and like, like flies off the handle and he's got like a short fuse. Like in the American one, he's like the smart nerdy one. It's just, it's so weird. Like seeing that, like the, the dichotomy between them. And he's like always the one that like, like he's always on just like the primal screams, like, ah! like, like, the, like, you know, like it's just, it's so funny to see that dichotomy. And then the Black Ranger is like, He's more of like what Billy is in the American version. Uh, Go Goshi, I think is the yep. yeah. Go Goshi is the 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 mammoth ranger, and Don is the the Tricera ranger, which is the blue and the black ranger. And it's just so funny how they're like inverted. And like like I was thinking like why in the American version did they like see that and then be like well let's switch them like what was the thought process behind that you know it's so interesting. That is now. So, how much? So, out of the fifty episodes that comprise this this season, how many have you watched? Do you think I've watched like the first ten, and then I started getting kind of like formulaic and like okay, this is getting less interesting. And I skipped ahead to these Green Ranger episodes, and I watched like two after that, and then I was like, okay, I can take another break from this. But I do want to see like what happens with the Green Ranger though, because like his like ending, like it's not like his story doesn't end where we ended it. So, oh, do you not know what happens? I'm assuming he dies. Yeah. I assume he dies. And I'm going to, to assume that the footage in America, when the red Ranger gets the shield, the gold shield is fr- after he dies, the red Ranger in the show probably gets the gold shield. There's That's probably what happens. So I'm not, I don't have this a hundred percent straight, but there. Oh yeah, you're right. So, cause I did watch, I did watch the scene where Barai dies. It's like episode 42 of super Sentai. So oh, it's, it's, deep. it's deep into okay. the season, but yes, as he's dying, he does pass the shield on to Geki permanently. Yeah. But again, not that okay. he wears it in every episode, but right. He can access it. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Cause I was assuming, cause, cause I know, cause I'm assumed he was going to die like based on the ending of this. And then like, I was like, Oh, it's probably why the red Ranger gets the shield in the American one. It's probably like the last episode or the last two episodes in the, in the show. Cause it, it, it's only like a 50 episode show, right? Yeah. Like 50, yeah. Yeah. So if it's 48, then yeah, he probably gets it as if it was last episode. So that makes sense. And here's the thing, audience, for those of you listening to us, for those of you who, who don't know anything about Super Sentai, hopefully this <laughs> helps shed some light for people who know it backwards and forwards. Again, you know, bear with us. We're still new to it, but it's, uh, again, I know we're both fascinated by it and it's really been, this journey of discovery of watching it and just kind of seeing what Mighty Morphin Power Rangers drew from the original show. And it just, it continues to give me more appreciation for what they were able to put together. Like in these episodes in particular, and I actually started after I watched most of this Super Sentai arc, I went back to Mighty Morphin. I didn't rewatch all of Green with Evil, but I kind of, because they're all on YouTube and I sort of scrubbed through them quickly mm-hmm. because I think in my head, I I always assume there's more of the Japanese footage in the American show. But as I went back, there's they shot so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really, really did. did. Yeah. 
So again, they really constructed a lot around uh, around what they had to work with, around, again, largely those morphed fights and the mm-hmm. Zord battles. And again, not even all of that. They use, you know, they use what, what, what yeah. will fit into the, the narrative that they're telling. But Well, I mean, like one of the things that I found really interesting is that the, the, the American one is for sure way more formulaic in terms of like the episode, like the actual episode progression itself. Like in the Japanese one, there's episodes where they never use the Zords or like one of them uses the Zords or like, um, or the, only two of them morph and they're fighting while the other three are unmorphed. You know what I mean? Like it's it, like every episode doesn't end with uh, the Megazord who's Daisuzin in the Japanese version. It doesn't end with him always cutting the monster in half with the sword. Like there's like, it, it's much like, like that's, that's part of why I think it's like that goes on the more sophisticated end. Right. Is that they're like, and that the, the stories kind of all flow. Like they're not episode. Some are, some are episodic, but there's this overall like continuation that goes throughout the entire like show, which the American one did not have. Right. I mean, I think that this ultimately is this 50 episode arc and yes, you do have those, you know, episode of the weeks, you know, in in there, but at the end of the day, it is this larger meta narrative that they're, they're building mega narrative that they're building as opposed to the American show where it was just, you know, they were were just going, (laughs) they were just just going along. toys, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But Again, for anyone who is is really unfamiliar with these Super Sentai episodes that we're talking about that deal with the Green Ranger or the Dragon Ranger uh, in this case. So again, it's episode 17 through 22. And in in this show, Barai is the the Dragon Ranger and he's the long lost brother of Geki, the Red Ranger. And Mm -hmm. he harbors this hatred, this resentment, this grudge against Geki. And we get the backstory uh, which is really quite fascinating. So 170 million years ago, which again, we talked about this in the first half. It's it's mind boggling to me that that's the, that's the time frame that we're talking about. Like how, how these, how these kids would not have intense culture shock being in the modern world is, is beyond well, me. Whenever they show flashbacks to the 107 million years ago, it's like, it's like medieval Europe. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's styled to look like, so like their backstory, like, they're all like knights and princesses and, and, and kings and stuff. Right. And it's like, and they're styled very much like, like a German or Swiss medieval kind of like attire and like weapons, like swords and everything. But it's very strange. Cause it's like all Japanese, but it's like, you know, like this very European sort of like aesthetic that they have. Right. With like their clothing. And so the backstory is like, Geki, you, you, I think you'll, you'll tell it better than I will about the, the backstory with Geki and Barai, but. So essentially but, the, the king and queen couldn't have a child of their own. So they you know, quote unquote adopted, but took, I don't know that the family really had much of a choice. The, the yeah. young child of Barai's family and that young child, of course, that baby was, was Geki. And so Geki grew up uh, as, as the son of, of the king and queen. There was then a rebellion led by Geki's birth father, and so Geki and Barai's birth father and the king, aka the adoptive father of Geki, have this fight to the death, and the mm-hmm. uh, the birth father is killed. And Barai sees all of this, and the father makes Barai promise to avenge him. Yeah, and he's like, "The throne is yours. It deserves to be yours." Yeah, yeah. And then he ends. Yeah, up, so it's, yeah, yeah. So like, he's not mind controlled by Rita in in this version. Like, he is like he's like got like. Uh, like a, a, excuse me. He's got like a revenge, like 
like he's like he hates Gecky and he's like out for revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. So uh, so again, Gecky doesn't know where he comes from. He doesn't know that he was was taken from his family. He doesn't know he has this long lost brother. Barai is aware of this and again has seen his father slain by Gecky's adoptive father and, and made to swear <laughs> that he'll, that'll avenge his father. And he ends up living with the fairies until he's eventually put to sleep and then awoken at the beginning of this arc here. Which that whole aspect of the show, the the fairies and the woodland creatures is like, again, like it leads into that that European medieval kind of fairy tale aspect that the show like has running through it. But it is just bonkers, man. Like the, the, the makeup on the on the, the elves and the fairies is like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so but you know this is why and i i would say to any power rangers fans who have never watched any super sentai watch a couple of episodes and i say this as a very very recent convert i went most of my life never looking at any of this and i'm glad that i did and that's why i thank you again because it, I, I feel like it just helps certain things click into place well, one of the things that we've talked about since the beginning of this podcast is with mighty Morphin, so much of it feels sci-fi yet there, there is this mystical component to it, but it's really relatively minor, I feel, in Mighty Morphin. Yet, when you look at Super Sentai, there's so much mysticism going on. And so it, it's, oh, it's like, oh, like that's where that comes from. Well, it, what's crazy is that it's, like, it's almost the opposite in Super Sentai, where it's like, it is, it is straight up fantasy, and the Zords just happen to be mechanical. And there's like no explanation for that. Like the only real like sci-fi aspect is like, the Zords of the Guardian, they call them the Guardian Beasts. But in this version, they're like alive. They have like sentience, right? And so like that kind of makes it even like make less sense that they're like these like mech, like these animals. But like, I think that's just the Japanese culture being like mechs are awesome. Like let's make them like robots, you know? <laughs> like, no, that is a great point. I think you're totally, I think that's a perfect way to put it. It really is this inversion of the American show where the American show, again, largely sci-fi, a little mysticism sprinkled in the vestiges of the Japanese show that are there, like Rita being a witch, uh, yeah, but this show really is the opposite. They're really, and you're right. I mean, other than it being the the guardian beast essentially being these mechanical constructs, it it really is all fantasy. And there's no obviously there's no command center. There's no robot. There's you know it's it's the yeah. wizard Barza and all that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess it just like really helps illuminate aspects of Mighty Morphin. So for anyone who hasn't seen any Super Sentai, watch a couple episodes. I know you bought the DVD; those are readily available. I watched on Tubi for free. And they don't even have any commercials. So it's it's a very easy uh I wish I did that. Easy path. <laughs> well, listen, stuff comes and goes from 2D. So you have those That's now true. forever. Physical media for the win. But no, I'm with you. That was there were a few things that just really, really stood out about this arc on Super Sentai, but that was probably the biggest one was that unlike the American version where Rita puts a spell on poor unwitting mm -hmm. Tommy and makes him her puppet, here it's this again, long lost brother with this quench for for revenge and so he's not <laughs> under a spell he's acting on his own and he aligns with bandora out of out of necessity out of convenience their goals are aligned but he's not yeah. he's not her puppet and in fact ultimately goes against her and yeah. she retaliates but yeah that was and and again the just the whole the long lost brother the brother aspect of this is is, is a major driver in these episodes and, uh, you know, definitely a big departure from, from what we had seen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He, he like almost has like, like when like you see them hang out on the moon base of Bandora's, he like has like extreme disdain for like Bandora and 
griffers are and like all he's like he's just like these guys are all idiots like he has that like attitude you know you're like much like the american one though he's awesome like he is like a badass he's a very very cool character and i think shout out to geki too geki's friggin' awesome as well he is a very very cool like i kind of like him more than jason like i think geki is like a very cool like leader and like like he's i don't know he's a very cool character he, no, I don't disagree. But so, okay, going back to our first episode, remember when I said that I looked at Green with Evil and as much as, of course, it's it introduces Tommy and there's all this Green Ranger business, that ultimately it felt to me more like a Jason story because Jason's the one yes. who gets separated and has to fight Goldar and he's the one who has to keep the team together and everything. I was, I feel like I'm vindicated here because in watching the original, this original storyline, it really is Geki's story and this brother oh, versus totally. brother battle. And it's like, yeah. Again, that's why I'm saying things click into place because it's like, oh, I think that's part of why like I had that feeling watching Green with Evil and the way the Red Ranger is used there. And even the final fight that they have, there's it, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's just amazing because it's so charged. There's so much emotion between Geki and Barai in those battles, mm-hmm. morphed and unmorphed, but especially the morphed ones. It's like we saw portions of that fight in the American show and it, you know, it still worked, but now knowing more what was behind it in the original version just puts a whole new spin on it. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Like, and yeah, that's part of, again, the more sophisticated aspect of what I think the Japanese show is, is I think the, like the emotional, like the, the acting and the emotional kind of weight that the characters put into the scenes feels much more like, like a sophisticated sort of like portrayal of what these characters are supposed to be. Right. The, the less sophisticated aspect is like kind of what you're saying, where a lot of the times they just show up. They have they, they they have no like concept of being like, oh, we're from 100 million years ago, but we're here now. And like they're always wearing their their not their ranger costumes, but they're like ancient, like medieval costumes, which look cool as hell. Like they look really like especially the Red Ranger. like He looks dope with that collar and stuff. But like but like that part feels very much like, oh, this is like really dumbed down for kids. But then when you get to like you know, the green ranger fighting the red ranger and like, they're like the brothers, like, like that feels so much more emotionally weighted than anything in the American show. You know, you know that's the thing with look, and we love green with evil and we had fun talking about it. And that's such an iconic arc, probably the most iconic arc from mighty Morphin and maybe even all of oh, the yeah. American power Rangers franchise, but there it's, it's, t- I mean, I think it, it feels so heightened because it's, because it's another ranger and because they are taken apart in a way we've never seen Tommy entering the Megazord, Tommy entering the command center. There's so much that feels, it just kind of sets you back. It's like, whoa, this is, this is really different than what we've seen before. But at the same time, the, the adversary here, Tommy is someone they had just met. So in terms of betrayal, it's, it's not like this was a friend of theirs they've had for the first 15 episodes. And then all of a sudden he gets turned or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, whereas here, yeah, I mean, emotionally weighted, I think is a perfect way to put it. There's just, it's a very compelling conflict between Geki and Barai from both sides. Like from Barai's perspective, you do, you do get it. Clearly he's gone too far here, but in terms of what he's seen as a child, right. And, and to, and to have his father there dying, making him swear vengeance, you understand where he's coming from. And he saw, he saw Geki live the life this life of, and he even, he calls him out for that at one point. I forget if he says a life of convenience or life of luxury or, you know, whatever the case may be, but living this, yeah. uh, this the royal existence. Uh, well, Borai is off with the fairies in the woods. 
you know, there's a, there's yeah. so much behind it. And then from Geki's perspective, for for most of those first few episodes, he's really he just keeps getting his ass kicked because he's holding back. He's trying to get through to Barai. He just keeps calling him brother. He's just so thrown that he has this mm-hmm. long lost family he never knew. And it takes a good bit into this arc before he realizes, okay, doesn't matter if he's my brother. I got to I got to take him down. And it, you know, comes to a head. But I, I feel like from both sides, it just it it was very compelling. Yeah, no, for sure. And and different from the American version, the American one, Rita makes Tommy the Green Ranger. And this he's he is like he was the he was like the first ranger. He he was it was a ranger, the dragon ranger, like way back a hundred million years. I mean, technically I guess they all were. They were all they were all rangers like they, in the past, but like it wasn't like he was chosen by Rita for because of this revenge thing. It was like, no, he's already the Green Ranger. Like he almost sides with Bandora out of convenience, like you were saying, than anything else. It's not like a like a, any sort of like master plan on her part, you know. Exactly. It's it's funny too because for all these years we've been watching Green with Evil and the whole sequence where Rita puts the spell on Tommy and then he wakes up, it was yeah. always so clearly a Japanese man in, in that garb waking up. And yeah. it's like now we you know, in, in this first episode here, the opening of this arc was it, it took me a minute. It definitely picked up as it went along because there's this whole bit about the gnome who I guess yeah. had been introduced in episodes after I had watched, you know, because I just watched the first few Super Sentai. So I guess in between here, we had this gnome character and then his grandson awakens Barai, but Barza and the gnome know the backstory and they know what a danger he is, but they, they're not sharing this. And so there's all this infighting here yeah, uh, amongst each other until he, you know, he's eventually woken up. And then, and then we get that, that morphed fight by the, temple steps essentially right that we saw in green with evil but again now we get the yeah. uh, the original version of it it's very cool and they, they explain where his uh his sword comes from the, the dark what do they call the dark saber i think so or not no not that not the, as a sword of darkness in, in uh, mighty Morphin. yeah, yeah here well because bandora talks about how they have the the, the the rangers it's very hard to like <laughs> get out of out of yeah. you know calling them what, what we're so used to, but how the 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 Jew Rangers have the legendary weapons, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so there's this equivalent for the Dragon Ranger. Yeah, which in, in the American version is the Dragon Dagger, but he that's not what he gets first, right? He gets the Dragon Dagger later, right? In the in the yeah, he gets the the Spirit yeah. of Life. Uh, the the little boy in white gives him the that Dragon Dagger. The dragon later. Dagger. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's when he like becomes a good guy, right? No, that's what, so well, we'll get to that. That oh, whole right, piece was right, so right. weird. Yeah, 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 no, you're right, yeah. That piece was so weird where, I mean, so I'm skipping ahead a bit, but uh, so again, he eventually goes against Bandora and she throws him off the moon palace and he's banished to this other dimension. And that's where he encounters this spirit of life, this child in white, face yeah. painted white, white cloak. Uh, the white cloak was a little, uh, you know, like uh calls to mind certain other things but in any event so creepy like so creepy super creepy yeah and the kid brings him into this this room and gives him the dagger but also introduces this concept of the candle which you you know we're well familiar with the idea of a candle on power rangers once the candle burned out his powers were gone but here it's his life he only has 30 hours to live and so my understanding without watching everything up until barai's death but my understanding is that essentially eventually that candle just does burn out and that's why he dies. And so 
after this arc, this whenever he leaves, whenever he leaves that dimension to go back to yes. the, the real world, that's when the candle starts burning more. And then when he comes back, it's like, he's like on borrowed time, which that part confused the shit out of me. Cause I was like, wait, what, why is this happening? This whole thing with him, like getting sent to this ultra dimension and this, this like ghost kid, like placing this restriction on him, like didn't make too much sense to me. Like I was like, wait, why is this all this happening? It's like, it's one of those things where it's, uh, I, I like, I, I don't, I don't get high, but like, I feel like if you were like, it, it feels like yeah. that's where it's coming from. And, and for anyone listening, for anyone who's never watched these and you're hearing us discuss, like, it's probably, it just sounds so, so out there. But yeah, as I was watching, I'm like, man, this is so, so weird, but, but fascinating. But yeah, the spirit of life gives him the dragon dagger and then he, he doesn't believe the business about the candle. And then he goes back into the world and he summons the dragon Zord, dragon Caesar yeah. and starts destroying the pier just like that, yeah. that same footage that we that, saw over that, and that over. Footage, yeah, that foot. I, that's the first thing I thought of when when the dragon sword comes out and starts tearing up the pier. I'm like, every, they reuse this for every time he summons the dragon sword. Like it makes me think like that's the only time the dragon sword's ever in the show. Because like, yeah. <laughs> like him coming out of the water and like it going and like in the pier. It's like all from this one episode. It's amazing. But you know, going back to the to the beginning of the arc they have that that fight at the temple and then the the guardian beast the, the megazord is, is formed and so we see the original version of the dragon ranger entering the the cockpit and it's just so funny because in this he says go to hell yeah. <laughs> he goes, like, again as from from you know you would you would never hear anything in the realm of that on power rangers i forget what tommy said when he entered but probably something like this is for rita something like that but he yeah. was like go to hell Jew rangers it's like whoa yeah 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 so it's so fast like and that that's part of the more sophisticated aspect of it where it's like some of this feels so much edgier and crazier and then some of it just feels so much more dumbed down and like like meant for like like kids you know like it's it's fascinating you know I loved there's one of the earliest, maybe the first one-on-one -on -one fight between Geki and Barai and uh, Barai's really gotten the, the best of him. And then the guardian beast, uh, again, I am, I'm sorry, I would only butcher the Japanese pronunciation. So I'm just going to go with that. But the Megazord, that's what I'm talking about here, shows up. And to your point, has agency, can, can speak, can think, and actually yeah. intervenes on behalf of, of Geki right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then takes Geki to task because he's like, you have to defeat him. He's like, no, that's my brother. And like the, the guardian beast like blasts Geki, right? Yeah. 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 But crazy, then, right? but then is able to keep Barai at bay and even says there will come, the, the time will come where the two of you can fight squarely. This is not that time. And, and, you know, Barai backs down and he, and he, you know, vanishes, but yeah, to see the, the guardian beasts, just operate in this way and and intervene mm -hmm. and have that agency and actually be characters and not devices is really kind of wild. Because then when you get to the end of this arc, the Guardian Beast, the Megazord, is telling Geki he has to kill Barai. Mm -hmm. And of course, yeah. Geki refuses. And then we have the, really the breakthrough moment between the two brothers. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's this whole other, it's just, it's just a different dynamic because it's like, I guess I I always look at I always it's like I've only just started watching Super Sentai but it's like I guess in my head I equate Barza with Zordon but it's really I feel like the Zord, yeah. like the the Guardian Beasts are really more that Zordon advisor kind of thing 
esque. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember when we were talking about this, like off mic, like like a couple weeks ago. It's like I feel like there really is not a one to one straight equivalent of Zordon. Like you're right. It's like aspects of Barza, aspects of the Guardian Beast, but there's not like the. But honestly, Geki to a, a large degree is kind of like the Zordon too. Like he's like the leader. Like he's like the one who kind of like decides what for the most part, like what, what they're supposed to do. So it is interesting how that they kind of constructed this whole new sort of like character, you know? Well, I mean, I think that also goes to the fact that the American version, they're clearly teenagers, right? They're in high school. Like, whereas like these characters, like, I don't think any, the only one I think that's teenagers, the yellow Ranger, the rest of them are like in their twenties. Like they're like adults, like young adults, you know? So like, it's, it's just like a completely different dynamic between them, you know? Yes. No, that is a, that is a great point. The, another thing that really stood out to me that again, just gave me a lot of, uh, even more appreciation for the American show was the, one of the battles it's, it's the dragon ranger versus the, the team, but he's, and he's first had a fight with Geki and Geki's unmorphed and just kind of on the ground defeated. And then, mm-hmm. and then the dragon ranger is fighting the rest of the Rangers. And occasionally we get these, we, we cut over to Geki on the ground, right? But they use that fight in Mighty Morphin by the, you know, on the cliff by the water. But mm-hmm. they just cut around Geki. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know, which was cool. I've noticed a lot of that. Yeah. And it's so, it's funny to me because I feel like, uh, for me at least, when I think of Green with Evil, Jason having to fight Goldar unmorphed in that dark dimension is such a highlight of it. And, now watching this is like, oh, I get why they did that because they had these various instances where they only had four of the Rangers in battle. So we mm-hmm. got to do something with Jason. And so they came up with that and it, it ended up being this, again, I think iconic aspect of that storyline and born out of that necessity, but they made it work. Oh, dude, totally, totally. It's like it, exactly what you're talking about. Like you can see like the, like, yeah, in this, in this aspect, it's like, he's literally just unmorphed, but they can't, they can't show that in the, you know, so it's, it's really ingenious. Like what the Saban and the team who, who made the, the American version did were able to like crap. Cause like that, that's like a, a math, a creative math puzzle that like, I feel like very few people would be able to make something like that good out of, you know? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And, uh, Oh, speaking of the, the battles. So, it's so obvious now, and and I, I'm sure this isn't all the trivia articles about the episodes, but I had I don't know that I ever really totally clocked it. But in the final battle between between Geki and Barai, right when they're um, you know kind of by the by the rocks essentially, and they're having that 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 final battle, and and Geki finally wins. In Power Rangers, there's that shot. At that point, we have Jason firing his blaster at the sword of darkness to destroy it right so Mm -hmm. that's nowhere to be found in super sentai and that was just an american creation and when you when i went back and i watched it again it's so glaringly obvious right because the footage doesn't look anything like it and even where they are and even later on in that scene in the american footage when they're unmorphed and all of a sudden it goes from this very 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 rocky gritty area to the beach essentially with you know some some rocks behind them but that, but the bit with, with the Red Ranger firing the blaster to destroy the Sword of Darkness, again, like that's not, you know, that was yeah. just part of the uh, the American thing. How did they get rid of the sword in this one? I can't, it's been like a week since I watched it, so it's not fresh in my head. Barai's tears disintegrate it. He cries. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's the forgiveness moment, like at the end, right? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was 
like that. So that whole bit, because we're here at this point. So, and you know, we can circle back to anything else we want to talk about. But I feel like that was such a strong aspect of this where, again, the Guardian Beast is directing Geki to kill Barai after Geki's defeated him in battle and he refuses. Um, mm-hmm. Which, again, I like. You know, we've talked about this and this has come up in various episodes. Uh, you know, the comics, I feel like now have gotten more into this angle, but the show never really did. You never really get much in the way of tension between Zordon and the kids. He gives them advice and direction and they just sort of take it. It's very, you know, you don't really have them butting heads. But here I like this where, again, with the Guardian Beast sort of in that Zordon-esque capacity here, giving a directive mm-hmm. that Geki ignores and refuses. That's his brother. He's not going to kill him. Uh Again, there's that moment leading up to that where it seems like he might, right? Where he's walking toward him with the sword and all the other yeah. all the other team members are like, no, he's evil, but he's still your brother. You think he might, but of course he doesn't and he defies the guardian beast. Uh, and then Barai goes at him with the sword right from behind. And this was probably my favorite moment of the whole thing where Geki's like, if he's, he keeps his back turned, but like he just turns his head and you see the tear in his eye. And Geki says, like, if, if you need to do this, if this will you know, quench your, your, your revenge and your hatred, then do it. It's fine. And of course, of course, Barai doesn't, and he drops to the ground and he cries. And the, when as his tears fall, uh, it, it hits the quote unquote sword of darkness and it evaporates, disintegrates. And then the guardian beast says the, the evil that was in his heart is gone now. And that's, uh, and that's how they have it. Like, yeah. Like that, that's some like powerful stuff, man. Like that, that is like, like, that's some like deep stuff for like a kid show, you know, like, like that, that feels like very sophisticated, you know, it's not, Oh, he's under a spell. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a different thing. And look, we love power Rangers. Obviously we wouldn't be here if we didn't. So it, it it's, it, and it look clearly it worked in terms of, of how they adapted it. But yeah, there's just, there's just so much more going on here. And it's there, you know, again, there's something about it that is just very, you know, compelling in a much, in a much more meaningful way because it's just the stakes feel higher and it's so much more personal. It Like that's mm-hmm. the thing with Power Rangers. Like I said, if, I think if Tommy had been part of the crew, yeah. you know, if, if he had just been this other civilian that they knew, or if it had been one of the Rangers who was turned, it would have just mm-hmm. put a whole different spin on it as opposed to this new kid who just moved there uh, and only has a couple of scenes and then all of a sudden he's turned. It's just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't grab you in quite the same way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's good, man. There's um, oh, really, I mean, I guess this is more just macro for for Zero Rangers. Like, what do you think of like the different Rangers in this versus like their their counterparts in the American show? Like, how how, how do you think they stack up? On, honestly, again, I, I watched the first. I want to say first four, and then I watched this arc. It's hard because I feel like you know Geki clearly gets a lot of play, and mm-hmm. uh, but as Beyond that, I, I don't know. It's, you know, wait, I'm glad you asked that because I'm really thinking about this. And as much as I think we always, or I have have said, oh, the in Power Rangers, the, the characters feel largely interchangeable. But you know what? They have enough, they have enough qualities that are distinct to each Ranger. They might be pretty broad or, or kind of high level, maybe not particularly nuanced, but uh, they're, they're, it's enough where you you know, you, you can kind of pinpoint what each one is about in some way. Whereas, and again, I've only seen a few, so that, that might be why, but watching this, I don't, I don't know that there's much more I could really say about like the other four here. I don't, I mean, you've watched more than I have. How do you feel? Yeah. 
I mean, I I would agree. You're right that the American one, their their personalities are more individualized in that sense. Like, but I think the Japanese ones are just cooler. Like, I I think like that. Like that's I I think it's very. I think it's very obvious that in the American version, they were like, well, we want to make a ranger for every kid to be able to relate to. Right. And like the Japanese version is like, we just want to make a team of badasses, like, like straight up, like we're just going to make them like as cool as possible. And like, and on one, and again, that goes to the more sophisticated, less sophisticated thing where like on one hand, it's cool in the American version that they're all relatable. But on the other hand, I think it's just cool. They all are just like, just badass, like, like martial artists, you know, in the, in the, in the Japanese version. So it's, it's a different approach for sure. It's kind of like the relatable versus aspirational thing. And I think the Japanese one definitely leaned on like, we're just going to make these characters like as aspirational as possible. And I mean, they, they do all have their own personalities, but they're like, there's not like a nerd though on the team, you know, like there's not like, like one, one's not like, like in like Kimberly, like she's not a martial artist. She's a, a gymnast. Like, you know I mean? There's like, they don't have that in this version. This version, they're just all these like mystical warriors who just like kick ass, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, your, your point is well taken. I, I do. That's the thing I like. There, there's something that, that, that I do enjoy about this take where they are these, these duty bound warriors, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is very different. I think maybe inspirational versus aspirational is a, is a good way of putting it. Um, so, you know, each, each kind of has their value. Uh, but, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, other than that, like I said, from what I've seen, I don't know that there's much I could really pinpoint with the individual characters. Uh, I, it's funny, too, because I, I, I don't know. I enjoyed what I watched, and it was fascinating for the reasons we've been talking about. I, I don't know that I have it in me to watch, you know, kind of all 50. The whole thing. I, I did, like yeah, I said, I watched. I yeah. Uh, I mean, I watched. Barrage. I don't either. Yeah, I don't have it in me either. Because <laughs> some of the episodes are very, like, like. The ones that are just like the episode of the week, like the uh, the one with the eye. You remember Eye Guy? Yeah. Like I just recently saw that one, and I was like, "Oh, this is rough. This is like really hard to get through." Like, <laughs> you know, it's like right. It's like the one right after the Screen Ranger one is the Eye Guy one. It's like, oh, this kind of gotcha. This is difficult. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I watched Barai's death scene, and I watched. There's a portion of the following episode where Geki calls Dragon Caesar. And Dragon Caesar thinks it's Barai for a moment, and like a dog almost. Like you see, you see him kind of get excited and then realize that it's Geki and look disappointed. Again, just this whole thing about the the guardian beasts being self aware and, and all of that. It, it's just this whole other layer. So that was kind of interesting. I had previously watched the episode or at least a portion of the episode where we get Rita's backstory, Rita's backstory, Bandora's backstory, how uh, her son had been. Uh, had like smashed a dinosaur egg and the dinosaur killed him in retaliation. And then she made a deal with the devil to get these powers. So that's a whole other thing. And then I did watch the, just like the very, very end. I was just curious, how does this whole thing wrap up? I mean, I won't, I can't get too specific because I don't, I don't, there was so much that was building from the prior episodes, but you know, the Jew Rangers win, but at the end they and Barza, have to depart this plane of existence and it just ends with them spoiler alert but it just ends with them floating away on a cloud as they reminisce as they remember their uh, adventures that they've had so i i don't know if they've established previously where exactly they were going if it was just their it's whether it was the afterlife or they're going back to sleep or they're going to another dimension i don't know but they're 
they tell the, these young kids, they're like, we can't stay here. We, you know, we've completed our mission and they float away. It's, it was interesting. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, that's nuts. The, the, the Bandora aspect. I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty crazy. I'll have to look at that. Well, dude, you know what I think is crazy is I, I want to bring this up before yeah. I forgot. Goldar. Yes. So different. Like yeah. in, in the Japanese version, he's like, he doesn't even talk. He's like, like he, he literally just rawr, 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 rawr. And then like at one point, I'm not sure if it was in the green with evil arc where he gets his voice back. Did you see that part? Yeah. 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 She gives him his voice okay. in this. Yeah. Yeah. But he like doesn't talk them and he's married to Scorpina. Like it's, it's this whole other level of like character stuff with there. That's like, wait, what? And he's like, he doesn't talk. He, he, he's basically just like of her henchmen. He's like number three. Like he's not like in the American one, he's like the number one henchman where it's like, and this it's like, yeah, it's crazy. what did you think about Goldar? Yeah, no, same thing. It's just so funny because I, we just have such a view of that character. And then you go to this and again, the fact, like you said, he's not even talking. And then the whole marriage aspect, uh, it, it, you know, it, like that's the thing with Scorpina in particular on, on Power Rangers, especially in the Green with Evil arc, it felt like it was so... Uh, choppy for lack of a better word like it was just you know you got some shots of her but they didn't do a ton and then you watch this and it's like oh okay there was a whole other piece with the yeah. character uh, and, and the marriage to, to Griffer so oh and then Bandora and her minions having all of these musical numbers oh yeah yeah <laughs> I mean it's so funny and the putties are playing the trumpet it was insane yeah. I was like what it's the that's why I'm saying it sounds like an acid trip or something as, as I'm describing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's the spirit of life and the candle and the, the yeah. buddies are playing well, trumpet. No, but that That's what we're talking about. It's like, that is so goofy and corny and like so clearly aimed at like five-year-olds. Right. Like, but then like you get the, the, the Barai Geki, like that's super gut wrenching, like anger and hatred and all. It's like, it's just, it's crazy. Like how, you know, it's just not, like it just doesn't seem to line up, you know, it does feel a little more all over the place. And look, I say this as someone who has watched a few episodes and I've, I've not otherwise watched Japanese television. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, this could just be par for the course or maybe this is a little different. I really don't know. And I acknowledge my ignorance on this, on this aspect, but just from what we've seen, I agree. It does feel all over the place. Whereas you look at power Rangers and for better or worse, there's a consistency there right? Mm -hmm. Tonally. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, yeah. And, you know, like you said earlier, it's, it's like, yes, it is so largely formulaic so much of the time, but, but, but at the same time, it, it does, there is that consistency throughout. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I, but yeah, that whole, that whole piece of it was really interesting. The musical numbers that yeah, I wanted to talk about, uh, I know we talked about the creepy spirit of life and, and that whole business. Uh, oh, so just, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, and I, again, this, long road to Barai's death goes on, goes on for a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we get more context as far as what the spirit of life's deal is and why they're doing this to him and everything. But, uh, as far as the, the guardian beast being sentient and all that, that was the other thing. Cause in the, in the big, again, pardon me for going with the American stuff, but the, uh, the, uh, a Megazord dragon Zord battle, right in the Japanese show, it's just the Zords fighting and the Rangers mm -hmm. are like, 
like the Zord is the guardian beast is just like going nuts on the, on yeah. the on dragon Caesar. And it's just, they have their, like, that was so wild. Cause the Rangers are fighting, but then the beasts are fighting. Yeah. Too. They just got their own thing going on. Yeah. 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 It made me wonder why do they even need to get in the Zords at all? Like they're not, are they piloting it? Like if they're not, cause they're clearly like are not. So I'm like, hmm. yeah. 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 I don't know. That's a good question. I, I mean, I guess, there's some sort well, of, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I was looking really hard for this because I don't remember this as a kid. Do we ever see the Green Ranger get inside the Dragon Zord and pilot it? Because it doesn't happen in this arc. And I wasn't sure if like you ever see it in the American show or if you see it later on in this, but like, because he's always standing on top of the head playing the, the flute. Like, and I was wondering, does he ever actually like get inside and like pilot it and stuff? That's a good question. I'm sure there are people listening right now who know exactly yes or no. I, but that's the thing. I feel like no, right? I mean, I right. I don't remember it. But no, no, let me rephrase that. I, I feel like I, in my head, I have this image of like the Green Ranger in the cockpit with the green lights around him. But I don't know if that's like something I remember or something I'm imagining based off of what the other Rangers look like in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember off if, I don't know if he did, I don't feel like that was a regular thing. I feel far more often you just saw him playing the flute or standing on the head and that was kind of it. Yeah. I think I'd have to go back. And and again, in terms of the rewatching that I did, it was, you know, we did Green with Evil and then we did most of the episodes where he was losing his powers. I know, I, I, I too do feel like I have a memory, but yeah, is it in, in, was I incepted and now I'm thinking that or, yeah. or again, even if, even if there are instances of him in there again, I don't think that was the norm. No, definitely not the norm. Yeah. But I was just wondering if it ever like even happened once, but yeah. yeah. Oh, and then even just, crazy. just the sort of the guardian beast kind of standing in for Zordon in a way. Similarly here at the end, we get the debut of the new dragon Zord in battle mode formation. Mm -hmm. Right. And just in green with evil, it was Zordon explaining, Oh, now we have this new configuration of Zords here. It's the, the guardian beasts kind of explaining it. They're up in the clouds. There's this, yeah, yeah. There's this, uh, this just this whole other component to it where they're like up in the heavens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, dude, the whole medieval like aspect of it is kind of bonkers because like it, it reminded me of like the Eye Guy episode, for example. Like in the American version, they have like footage of these like medieval like of like the, the Eye Guy, like you know, like capturing people or like you know, and it's like this kid in like a Dutch like like hat and everything. And I remember as a kid thing, like that's so weird, but now like it makes sense knowing that like the backstory of this power ranger stuff is like this European medieval, like styling of everything, which is like so strange. If like you compare it to like the Zords, you know, but like it's a, it's, I guess that cool blending of like sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Is there, I've, I've at least one more question for you, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this arc that we haven't? Mm, I think we covered a lot pretty much what's what's your question so now that we've seen the original version of mm -hmm. of this story the idea of a, a sixth ranger a green ranger who's who has an adversarial relationship to the team that core mm -hmm. idea uh now that we've seen the source material do you, are you do you remain pleased with how mighty morphin adapted it do you feel like they kept enough of the 
core idea? Do you wish that it had been executed any differently? Should it have been, you know, Jason's long lost brother or something like that? Should they have actually gone further and, and been more in line with the, with Super Sentai or do you think they landed I, I where mean, they should? I think they did a good job. I think they did a really good job. I mean, because like that whole, like, you know, like the whole fantasy aspect wasn't in power, like, you know, the ancient, like medieval yeah. world and everything. So like doing a long lost brother wouldn't really make a lot of sense for Jason, you know? Um, no, I, I think they did a good job and like, and friggin' Jason David Frank was awesome. He was like all our heroes as a kid. So I think they knocked it out of the park and they clearly like, it's amazing how much they actually had to create like for the American version. When you watch this, it's like, it's like they like literally like made, they made up so much, you know, and they, they, they excised so much out of the Japanese version that like they, but still like use the confines that they had. Like, like a good example was Jason fighting Goldar. Like you're saying, like where they had to use this fight where they're all fighting except the red Ranger. It, it, it's, it's kind of mind boggling, like what they're able to do. I, I agree totally. Oh, one other thing that I, I meant to bring up that I, I liked about this. So obviously in both storylines, there's the the battle with the, again, I'll go with the American version with the Megazord and with Scorpina, Goldar too? I, I can't remember. And and the Green Ranger groan, right? The giant, oh, yeah, yeah, right yeah. during the eclipse and the Zord loses its power and falls back into the earth and it's this you know, major down moment. What I liked because if I'm remembering, I don't think Power Rangers gave any explanation for this, but what I liked about Super Sentai, the notion that, like we know that the Guardian Beasts or the Zords derive some power from the sun or all their power from the sun, but like in Super Sentai, they make the point that the magma within the earth had enough of the same properties of the sunlight that they were able to recharge. Because I feel yeah. like I feel like in Power Rangers, that was always, it felt so dire and it felt so catastrophic when those zords fell back into the earth but then mm -hmm. they they were okay later and but i so i feel like here even if the science is a little, a little little wonky at least there was an effort to make an explanation for that so i like that that's true that's true yeah yeah no it, it was it's good man it's definitely good like people should check it out if they haven't they should i mean really i think that that conflict between the brothers is is there's real emotion there, and I think they really did a, a great job with it, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I watched it. But as you were saying a moment ago, just in terms of the art of adaptation, I think what Power Rangers was able to do with this is, is amazing. And like I said, and you just said it a minute ago too, I, again, it's like I would be curious, and I'm sure people have done this in their articles, like tallying up how much screen time came directly from, the, from Super Sentai, because Again, like there really was so much. And when you think about the fact that, for example, when Green Ranger goes into the command center and stuff, like all of that was mm -hmm. new, right? Because there was no command yeah. center. So there was so much that they created around just this overall framework of an adversarial sixth ranger who dismantles the team at, at various points. So uh, yeah. one thing I, I do want to say before I forget is that with the American version knocked right out of the park, so much better than the Japanese version, is their use of music. Like the American, like, like, like when I was saying before that all the, the Japanese Power Rangers are like very cool and badass. Like I, I stand behind that. Like I feel like the how they portrayed the actual Rangers was very cool, but the overall tone of the show, I think the American version definitely had that nineties, like edge, 
like because they that that, that rock and soundtrack when they morphed like they did the they screamed their zords and they cut to their faces like that was all new like in the japanese version they like do this like they take the buckle off their belt and swing their arm around and say like uh i think they say dino buckler and yeah. then they just and it just cuts to them in the suits like so the whole like the the morphing grid and like the 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 electricity around them like all that stuff the the American version they dialed that way up and I feel like the cool factor overall the American version I think has like definitely like a leg up on the Japanese version because they and the and the the go go Power Rangers like that that theme song and everything like that all ripped like that definitely I think was huge in like why we as kids were drawn to the show you know perfectly said no I echo all of that I think. It, this was a very, very worthwhile exercise to look at some Super Sentai because it. this was kind of the best of both worlds because I look at the original source material and I see, okay, there there was there was a lot of great stuff here that they, they were able to, to build from and, and build around. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do come away just kind of understanding even more why Power Rangers made the impression that it that it did. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think the, the music clearly was was huge here because you see, again, these are two shows that share, you know, a, a significant amount of footage, you know, some more so than others, depending on the episode and, yeah. and a lot of the same, at least core principles, like even if you compare these two arcs, but just again, executed very differently. And uh, if I had seen Super Sentai as a kid, would it have cemented the way Power Rangers did? Maybe, but I don't think so. And I think it's for all these reasons that we're talking about that Power Rangers just nailed exactly what (laughs) we were looking for as kids in the 90s. So, uh, yeah, but again, I I have such admiration for both and I'm I'm glad that we've gone down this road here and I hope the audience has enjoyed it. And uh, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, Ken, do you want to direct people to where they can find and follow you? Oh yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram at at vkenmarion and on Twitter at vkmarion and um, projects. Uh, I've got Vanish, Vanish number seven and eight for Image Comics. Um, they're available now. You can go check those out. Um, I did. I did that for Ryan Stegman um, for his KLC press line, um, and then Death Shroud is on Indiegogo, available on in demand for issues one two so far. And I'm doing my creator-owned book right now, my own separate creator-owned book that hopefully I'll be able to talk about in the coming months. So working hard away on that, and I can't wait to share more about that. So, um, so yeah, follow me on the socials and keep on the updates with all the cool stuff. So yeah, if you if you like Power Rangers and like just that aesthetic, um, I think you'd really like the book that I'm working on because there's some possibly some things about it that might kind of lean into some aspects of, you know, not, not, not saying it's a Power Rangers thing, but like, you know, just, you know, just a lot of the stuff that we like, you know, that as, as fans of this stuff, you know, like the sci-fi, the fantasy, the, the um, heroes and villains and stuff. So yeah, definitely uh, keep your eyes out for my new book coming out that I'll be talking about in the next couple months. Very nice. Well, I hope everyone will do that. And Ken, I thank you so much for coming on for this. Uh, I want to thank Perry again for joining me for the first half of this episode. Uh, Audience, I always appreciate you tuning in. We only have two episodes left, so make sure you don't miss them. We'll be back in two weeks. And of course, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.